EFTM. Tech. Cars. Lifestyle. This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long. EFTM. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Lovely to have your company here on the EFTM Podcast once again. I took a week off last week because it was bloody busy. I had a big Christmas gift guide segment on the Today Show and I just just had so much to move around and organise. So appreciate the week off. And to be honest, I'll probably go fortnightly-ish over the summer break um, just as the emails start dropping off and whatnot. But if I can pull a show off, I'll pull a show off. Don't worry, folks. We'll be here. Um, lots to get through today. In fact, I've got a bunch of calls today, but I've also got a couple of interesting conversations to have. I want to talk about Car Bar, which is essentially like a – it's not a rental car service. It's not a lease. It's a – subscription car service and a question as to whether or not that is the way we could or should or need to be looking at car ownership in the future i'll be interested in your views on that and as always you can share your views on social media just go to the eftm uh, facebook page and uh, join the man cave while you're there where we're going to have a chat about these things or jump on uh, twitter at trevor long at eftm and um and also you can go to the website eftm.com and click ask trev the other thing we're going to do is I'm going to talk to Mark Toyer. Now, Mark Toyer is probably not a director you've heard of. Um, he hasn't made a Hollywood blockbuster yet, but he's made a lot of TV commercials. And if you look up his business, uh, which is zoomfilmtv.com.au, zoomfilmtv.com.au, and you look at their showreels, my God, the commercials he's made are some of the most epic you've ever seen and you'll recognize from Holden to Mazda to... Suzuki, uh, you know, Neutrogena, uh, there's so many companies he's worked with, it's ridiculous. Coca-Cola, it's everything. Anyway, he's made a movie. He's made a feature-length movie. And we're going to talk about how he made it, using what software, what process, and he's going to give me some tips and advice on my video editing because I'm just a YouTuber. (laughs) So we'll talk about that as well, plus all your calls, all coming up on this episode of the EFTM Podcast. This is the EFTM Podcast. Now, for those that follow closely, I appreciate that. Um, The EFTM uh, (coughs) Awards, excuse me, (coughs) are currently being handed out in great detail on the the website. Um, And as we record, I've literally just announced the best entertainment for 2020. So these awards um, are very much very personal. And I want to be very clear about this because I, I don't enter into any arguments about it because um, I'm, I'm happy to hear your conversations and discussions about it, but what I'm not going to hear is arguments. So, for example, the first car we announced was the best small car, the Kia Picanto. And some narc on, on Twitter, no, Facebook, and if you're a podcast listener, please say so, Ahmed, um, said it's the Aris is better. Well, yes, but I don't think you read what I said about the Kia Picanto. The Kia Picanto is unbelievable value for money. Now, is it as good a drive as the Toyota Yaris? Maybe not. Does it have better tech features? Hell yeah, wireless Apple CarPlay. And it's cheaper by a long way, so I'll take the best small car as Kia Picanto every day of the week. We gave the best appliance to the Kmart sausage maker, sausage roll maker. We gave the best gadget to the GoQ, the best wireless sound to the wonderful Sony WH-1000X Mark IVs. I gave best innovation to the PS5 DualSense controller. Flipsy absolutely loved the Audi RS6, so that got the best sports car. But just now I've announced best entertainment. And I'm going to tell you, we gave that to Stan for a couple of reasons. And I want to, again, call out a couple of those reasons here. One of them was because how good was Yellowstone? How good is Billions? How great is Gangs of London? 
How good is your honour? Look, I watched the first episode the other day. How good is it this is an Australian company? So there's some investment back into Australia just by the very nature of this company being Australian. But also, and I mentioned this before, and I, I want to bring it up again, not because they've asked me to. In fact, they've asked, not the direct opposite, but they've certainly not asked for it. But when Melbourne went into lockdown a few months ago, I feel like it was July, August, um, I felt horrible for the for the people of Melbourne because that was that was a big deal for them to have to go into such a harsh lockdown. And I offered on Twitter for anyone that was in Melbourne that was a follower that I'd buy you a, a subscription to Stan. And I bought... Um, uh, Several. I kept buying vouchers on the Stan website, gift vouchers, and then it rejected me. <clears throat> and I thought, Stan's rejecting me from buying vouchers. And I thought, my bank's not rejecting me. I've checked my card. It's not my, they haven't frozen my card because I've made 10 $30 payments. Um, it was actually Stan's um, back end systems going, whoa, 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 something going on here. There's one dude buying vouchers. That's weird. Now, when I asked Stan to fix that, not fix it, fix it, I said, can you just, you know, open up the gap, the loophole for me so I can get back in? They went, no, no, let's just send you some vouchers. Now, I didn't ask for that. They certainly did not request that I even mention that they'd done that. But Mike Sneesby, the CEO, and his team did not hesitate to provide those vouchers. In the end, I gave over 150 vouchers away to people of Melbourne um, to enjoy Stan. Now, I hope some of them become long-term subscribers because that would be a great benefit to Stan, but I don't mind if they don't. But the fact that the team had no desire to need publicity from that, didn't care to want anything in return, um, just struck it, struck at me. You know, it was, a, it was a solidly great Aussie thing to do. And that, that, was a big, that was a big part of me making this decision, no doubt. But also, far out. Stan is so good. We love it. Um, we have friends on constantly. Um, we watch the West Wing, we watch um, Seinfeld, these things are just on constant loop for us. But then there's the shows that we do watch and I love it. I think Stan's the best platform of them all um, and that's why I've given it best entertainment this year. Now this afternoon, home theatre, that's going to go to Sonos, breaking news, haven't announced that yet, but by the time the podcast gets out, it probably will be on the website. Sonos, the Sonos Arc was just such a great soundbar, but most importantly when paired with other systems, it was an unbelievable home theatre system. The best tablet tonight will go to the iPad Air, which is just a phenomenal bit of kit. And the best security tonight um, will go to the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera because I love the way it lights up my front yard. Is both a deterrent, a safety feature, and allows us just to get into our house without tripping over. Um, lots more to come over the coming days. And on Friday, we'll announce all the big ones, which is best, best car, best person, best lifestyle, best tech, blokes best, and best of the best. So there's lots of awards still to come. And I've, I've taken on board the, the advice that maybe next year we'll do a people's choice and we'll, we'll come up with a few categories that you guys can vote on if you're part of the main, Man Cave. So jump into the Man Cave, EFTM on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. Click on the groups and join the Man Cave. Um, and I will let you know that later this week there'll be an exclusive little opportunity to get some cool stuff from EFTM right there in the Man Cave. So make sure you're in the Man Cave and you're part of it. Um, and a big thanks to all the boys who are helping moderate the Man Cave. You're awesome. Um, you're loyal, long-term listeners and readers, and it means a lot that you're helping me manage that beast that is the Man Cave and all the requests that come through. So thank you for that, boys. Um, there's new merch coming in 2021, so um, those boys will get, get some of that, and everyone else, it'll be available real soon up on the website, EFTM.com. Let's get cracking on with the show. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. 
The other thing I wanted to mention, because this went actually really well on the website the other day, was um, KO and having pay-per-view. Now, I'm, I don't know, maybe they've had more before, but the Tyson Jones fight the other weekend was on KO pay-per-view, and there's a Costa Zoo um, Morgan fight this next Wednesday and Paul Gallon taking on Mark Hunt. That's also on KO pay-per-view. Um, <coughs> KO, <coughs> excuse me, we know it's a subscription service, but the thing is this pay-per-view, you don't need a subscription. You pay the 60 bucks, you get access to KO and you get it for a few days, but then you don't have an ongoing subscription. So I love the way they're not kind of sucking into the system by saying we're going to then take your money every month. No, no. They're just saying here's the subscription cost for this fight and we hope you love KO and, and sign up again. But if you want to sign up, uh, go to the website eftm.com, click on the Costa Zoo, uh, sorry, Tim Zoo, how rude, poor Costa. Um, poor Tim really he doesn't want to be in his father's shadow, but Tim Zoo, Paul Gallon fight info and click on the KO links in there and on the homepage of, uh, of or sorry, on every article, there's also a link to KO so you can sign up there. So that's all happening next week. If you want to know and tell your mates um, where they can watch it, send them that link and uh, be part of KO's pay-per-view event. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Thank you for listening. And if you've got a tech question or you want to have a chat about anything going on, you can just go to the website, eftm.com. That's what Christine did. G'day. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Trevor? Very well. Merry Christmas. Goodness me. And Merry Christmas. Can we you? get to this point of the year? <laughs> I know. We all made it. Well, most of us, unfortunately. But yeah, no, it's been a very uh, turbulent year. Yeah. What can I do for you? Look, um, I just was looking for a, a mobile phone for my son, um, who's 15. He doesn't want an Apple phone, so we're looking for an Android phone. And I now, um, stop, reason- stop. You've got a 15-year-old who does not want an Apple iPhone? No, no, he doesn't. This is the best why. news I've ever heard. Why? Tell me why. I I don't know. Um, probably because he thinks his mum's going to track him on her iPhone. I don't, suppose. I don't We can track him know. on the Android as well, don't worry. I know, I know, I know. He doesn't need tracking, I don't think. But uh, look, he, My yeah, son he, got a, I gave him a phone when he was 11 to go into year seven. Uh, it was a little Huawei Android phone. Then I gave him a Samsung last year. He turned 12 and a 13. And as he turns 14, all he wants is an iPhone. Like that's yeah, all he wants. So I'm, I'm stoked for you. How much, what's the budget? Well, look, I'm, I'm not looking because he's a 15-year-old boy. I'm mm. kind of trying, don't want to spend too much because they tend to drop their phones do, or lose their phones mm-hmm. or something like that. So I'm sort of thinking up around toward sort of three to $400 max. Um, Great price. Great price. That's yeah. all you need to spend. Honestly, perfect price range. Um, there are hundreds of phones in that price range that will yes. absolutely satisfy him, his needs, everything you need. So um, the brands, oh, I just go to JB's uh, or Harvey's or Officeworks. They've all got phones, you know, kind of in a price range. But, you know, Oppo, um, yep. Vivo. That's um, what he's got. He's got an Oppo at the moment. Well, a hand-me-down. does he have a problem with the Oppo? Uh, no, it's got a smash screen and it's very old. Um, yep, of and course. basically, I don't know what to get him for Christmas. Well, you know what? <laughs> get, get him the Oppo A9, okay? The A9, It's okay. a 2020 yep. model. Um, it's $349, so mid okay, mid to high end good. of your budget, yep. but it's got a, a beautiful look. Um, it's got, I think, a triple lens camera on the back. It might even be a okay. quad rear camera. Um, okay. It's it's a fantastic phone. Uh, there's really no complaint he could he could have about that. If you wanted to stretch it, the A ninety one is is another fifty bucks, and that's 
You know, it's every the more you spend, the better it is. Like, let's be very simple and clear about that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing you could do, I reckon, for a fifteen-year-old, not not prejudging, but if you were to give him, say, a JB Hi-Fi voucher for four hundred dollars, and say, I want you to buy a phone, um, and you choose, then he's going to get one of those, and he'll pick one that well, he likes. He had a voucher at JB Hi-Fi, and he gave it back to me. Oh. <laughs> He said, I don't need anything because I've asked him what he needs for Christmas and what he would like for Christmas. And my answer I get is, I don't need anything. So, um, Christine, that's my 15-year-old. You need to bottle this child. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's a good I mean, kid. you'd be the envy of every parent. Yes, yes, yes. But I, I, he's 16 in January and I'm thinking, you know, if I combine it. Yeah, this good call. birthday, Look, then, you know, I so, think he deserves So then walk in. And here's the other thing you can do. And the reason I would recommend one of these brands that we do know, like Oppo or Motorola or even yep. Vivo, now they won't probably have them in JBs, but online you'll find them. You can buy protection for them because Oppo is massive in China, like one of the biggest brands, right? Motorola okay. is massive in big parts of Europe. So you want to make sure you can hand, if you, if you kind of do it today, you might be able to get the phone delivered by Christmas. You might not get the case by Christmas, but it'd be worth trying um, yeah. and, and also trying to source it locally. But it's also good. I found it best to hand over a phone with the case and the screen protector and all those things so that it was a done deal. Drop it on day yeah. one, still not a problem kind of thing. Yes, so exactly. That's where yeah. I'd be going. So, yeah, I think you're you're in a great price point for him. Even though he doesn't think he wants it, um, he will love it. He will absolutely love it when he's got yeah. it because it's a great phone. Well, that's good. Thanks, Trevor, because, yeah, I was looking at those uh, as um, my question was uh, mint phones and, yeah, as I did a little bit of more research, I was just a little bit more sceptical about, Look, it's it's a it's a great phone for someone who just wants to make calls and send texts. But I wouldn't want my teenager having a mint because they'd get frustrated by the power, by the the performance, maybe maybe even the camera. Um, it, it'd be if if he was eleven getting his first phone, I'd say yeah, because he's going to smash it and drop it, and you know then you'll yeah. get something better. But as a fifteen-year-old, um, he's going to have better street cred from uh, having an Oppo or a Motorola or something like that. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks very much, Trevor. I appreciate your time and you have a lovely Christmas. You too. Happy shopping, Christine. Good on you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And if you've got a question like Christine, happy to do some virtual shopping for you. Uh, Just go to the website, eftm.com. This is the EFTM podcast. Leading into Christmas, taking your calls, uh, go to the website, eftm.com. That's what Ryan did. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Nothing much, and you? (laughs) You had a question about phones. Yes, yes, um, I've got, well, what did I say, an iPhone 7, I said. Yeah. And I um, was looking just to, I, I'm not Mr. Technical, just make calls, send text, photos, video. I was just after a, what would be the best option for me, cheaper sort of style, and we've just, uh, I'm not, I'm not What's, after what's wrong with the iPhone 7? Uh, nothing. The missus wants a new phone. I was going to get her one, so I was just seeing the thing. I mean, she's about as technical as me, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally fine. So you're going to stick with the iPhone 7 or are you going to upgrade your both? Uh, probably uh, both. And are you? Uh, is she on Apple as well? Yes. So, look, I mean, even though you're only doing the simplest things, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, the better phones are better phones, right? And also you're getting a longer life out of them. The only the only thing I'd say to you is um, with an iPhone 7, is she also got a 7-ish version, like a one with a home button? She's a uh, 6, I believe it is. Wow, okay. So we're going to come a long way. So your two, the two options I'd give you um, are the iPhone SE, which is the same size as the iPhone 7 with the home button, but it's got the guts of an iPhone 11, so it's much more powerful. 
better camera, so it's going to last you longer, but it's pretty much the same look and feel phone as what you've got now. The iPhone 12 is obviously brand new, but you know what is still on sale? The iPhone XR. Now, that's a great phone. comes in six different colors, uh, which can allow you and your wife to differentiate. You know, it's got a good camera, not a great camera. It's like it's all you really need. And that, so the iPhone SE starts at 649 and the iPhone XR starts at 849. So you're not spending 1000 or 2000 bucks, and you don't need to. Yeah, but I was sort of thinking there might be better phones out there for the same amount of money than an iPhone. You know, you're will, so you're willing phone. to go Android? Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. If there's better out there with better memory, better this, better better photos, better camera, then and I'd be happy. What's your budget? Yeah, well, I'm just saying under $1,000, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, you're spot on. There are some cracker phones out there. So, for example, Samsung's Galaxy S20 FE, which is what they, th- they call fan edition. But, you know, it's a big screen, excellent Samsung phone with an awesome camera at 999 Now, my yeah. pick to be honest, under a 1,000 would probably be the Google Pixel. The Google, Google Pixel 4a. Google Pixel 4a, you can get the 4a in 5G. So I think the 4a is only 599. The 4G, the 5G version is 799. And then there's a Google Pixel 5 that's 999. And, mate, any one of those three are so awesome Google phones. Pixel. Google, Google Pixel. Google Pixel, mate. It's like... So Google make the operating system for every phone except and except Apple, right? So the Samsung yeah. runs Google's operating system, but they just tweak it and make it their own fancy look. But you cut it back to its core and, mate, the Google Pixel is a raw, awesome, easy, great phone with, by the way, an awesome camera. Um, and can you get them from anywhere or...? Yep. JB's got them. You can buy them online from Google. They're easy to buy, and and so there's cases you, around too. But you would actually recommend getting one of them rather than not. Only if you had your yep. your chance. Again. Yep. yep. Like if, if if I wasn't lucky enough to be in the job that I'm in, where I get phones every three weeks to change to, <laughs> I'd buy a Google Pixel. I go, put All it right. this way: I gave my mum her first smartphone two months ago, Google Pixel. But you would say with these Google Pixels, the one, the nine hundred dollar one, would be the best option rather than the six hundred dollar one or the cheaper, cheaper. Not, I would say, to be honest, that the seven nine nine one is the sweet spot. Yeah. Because you, I don't know what you need in the in the nine 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 one, but have a look at them, feel them. But you might want screen size or something. But mate, the seven nine nine phone is awesome. Wonderful. Enjoy. Oh. I'll write this down, but thank you very much. Google yeah, Pixel, mate. I, I, I've been on a bloody sick leave for a long time. I was thinking you're my bloody boss. So ah, lucky, boss, so lucky. Private numbers, private numbers. All right, mate. Good on you. Happy shopping. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers, Bye-bye. mate. Good on you. And if you've got a question, you can uh, go to the website, eftm.com. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Well, I'm a lucky man. I get to meet some pretty interesting people across my travels. And, um, you know, whether it's a, a photography creative, a videographer, there's something special about what people who have that creative eye are able to do with their talent. And um, one such man is a guy called Mark Toyer, and uh, he's he's a director. Um, I think he started out as a, as a photographer in advertising, but, you know, smart people looked at his photos and went, this bloke, this bloke's got the eye. And he's on the line to talk about his new project and the devices and gear he uses. Mark Toyer, g'day. Howdy. Mate, How um, is that correct? You started out as a photographer in advertising? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I, well, I was in the press game first, yep. uh, and then it grew out to advertising, and then it turned to uh, uh, you know, TV, film and TV, and then it 
And then, uh, yeah, then I got bored and I thought I'd make a movie. <laughs> That's the greatest uh, line as to as to where you got to, how you got to where you are right now. I mean, people would be probably quite familiar Aussies with a lot of your work in in the advertising space. Um, you know, brands all over the shop, especially car brands that certainly I'm familiar with. Um, it, it's it's a fascinating space because you know a TV ad can be very boring, but I guess what people saw in you was someone that could create something that not only looked magnificent in terms of the way it was captured, but was also, I guess, engaging. Is that part of what you've always tried to deliver in the advertising, the work that you did? Yeah, look, I, I get, obviously I get controlled a bit by the ad agency, perhaps, or the, or the client and their, uh, it, uh, and you know, what their creative uh, needs are. Yep. So, you know, I've never really allowed to, like, cut loose, <laughs> uh, per se. I mean, they'd, they'd probably get a 10 times better product if they let me, but... But you know you, you got to. Uh, you, if it doesn't you know, fit the with hide, the corporate high right? flyers, if the, if the corporate room doesn't like it, then it's not going to work. So there is always that little bit of hesitation, and that's what brings you to that point of of wanting that creativity. And you decided to literally create a movie. Now I'm not in the movie game, but I guess I've followed enough of. I don't know whether it's um, Entourage or other things that give you that kind of behind the scenes of of Hollywood. That there's studios, then there's you know, then there's the distributors. There's act. There's so much involved in the movie game. What on earth possessed you to think? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a movie my own way, the way I want to do it. Um, look, yeah. Well, that, that's the big one, right? I mean, I've very I've done okay over the years, and I've. But my wife and I've got a, a fairly strong property business, and I work around the world on very large campaigns around the planet. And we've saved up enough acorns and peanuts to be able to do a movie our way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that that that's the skin of it. I mean, I used to paint when I was a kid. It's it's a bit. It's a hobby. Believe it or not, it's an yeah. experiment, and we're just having fun with it. Yeah. So, so you, and you, it, it, but it just happens to be bigger than what people thought it would have been. <laughs> what you're telling me is you created a, a movie as a hobby, and it's. I mean, I looked at the trailer yesterday. The movie's called Monsters of Man, um, and it's coming out uh, this week on pretty much every platform um, where you can kind of rent and buy movies. Um, it is. It's a. It's a fascinating concept of a movie, but I'm, I'm more fascinated by the production process. And you know, I was introduced to you by Apple um, because I think you're pretty much an exclusively Apple man. Um, you're 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 editing all of this entire project using Apple computers and Apple software. I find that quite staggering in terms of what you think that the movie game might be using in terms of production and editing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's the there's a uh, a stigma that people have to use Avid, yep. uh, but I've been using Final Cut Pro and Apple Gear for the last I don't know fifteen years myself, yep. Yep. and um, and I have and I do and have used Avid for many years and I've used all the programs and all the computers, but Final Cut Pro is the one. It's the one that just saves me thousands of hours, hundreds of hours a year. You and, talked um, in your behind-the-scenes little yeah. trailer. You talked about mm. the, the number of keystrokes, the number of minutes that can be saved by a simple action like moving a moving a part mm. of a clip to to you know you know ten frames down instead of having to move, drag, drop. You literally just move, and it it makes all the other changes around you. It's those simple things that really can in a in an edit. I don't know how long have you spent editing a movie 
a feature-length movie like Monsters of Man. I mean, it, it would be a lot of time saved. Well, yeah. I mean, I know from past experience because I'm very fluent with Avid. I'm very fluent with, mm. you know, Premiere. I'm very fluent with uh, Resolve. I, I know all the other programs intimately, and I know it probably would have taken me twice as long if I used those programs compared to Final Cut Pro. Well, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, like I said, I'm not a logo hunter. I don't care who makes it so yeah. long as it saves me time. You know? uh, I think that's a critical thing. And I'm going to come back to that Final yeah. Cut uh, question in a minute because I think you might need to con- convert me. But yeah. just just the other thing that I notice, and I'll share the link to the to the little behind the scenes. It's not even the, the official trailer. It's more a, you know you talking about the process. It was fascinating yeah. to me that, again, things I didn't know existed, but you can create parts of clips and, and create things and, and essentially send them out to a cloud um, sharing system that allowed you to outsource parts of your production. So I guess the best example is you've got robot monsters. There's robots in this movie, and you didn't film those. They're, they're CGI. What you filmed were people in blue suits with dots all over them. You are able to film that and then send it out and have other people do work on your project that then was pretty much just ingested directly back into your project. Exactly. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Well, it's um, yeah, look. It's been around for a while. Just a lot of people just don't know it, it really exists. But is that also part of the bucking the movie business trend, where normally you would find a production house that can do all of these things, um, you know, from the edit to the CGI to to everything, or is that pretty much standard process? You're just doing it via the cloud. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing I, the whole post 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 process for this movie was done via the cloud. Through Frame uh, through Frame IO and through Final Cut Pro X, and uh, and what happens is, you know, if there was a post production company uh, wanting to do this movie, they would have to probably scale up and put, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty uh, people into it. You know, which they, which are usually all freelance. They cut these yep. week long deals with them, or month long or contract long deals with these artists, um, and then they obviously. You know they have to mark them up. I mean that's how they yep. make money, right? That's that business. In this particular way, I can actually just go straight to the artist um, and either do clip deals or week deals or and do all that sort of stuff myself, and literally set up a post house in the cloud hmm. through multiple artists scattered all around the planet, all communicating to me directly through my phone or iPad or my MacBook Pro, or whatever, and and. And everything is literally live in Final Cut Pro, so I can see everything coming up. I can hit the approval buttons, everything, and just drag it back into my project and down into the timeline. So, again, you think about the devices. And you just mentioned your MacBook Pro. I would have assumed a movie would need to be cut on, uh, you know, a Mac Pro, big, you know, cheese grater thing no. <laughs> uh, with multiple screens. You're saying you can edit a feature movie on a MacBook Pro? Yeah, yeah, all day, every day, yeah. I need to know about storage then. Do you, do you operate it off a like where does where does it all live? I mean, uh, well, yeah. The good, yeah, the good thing about um, uh, Final Cut Pro again is uh, you know without even knowing you can make our create these low resolution proxies, which are actually still HD, two K, or even four K <laughs> proxies, and you can work at full four K proxies, which look amazing, mind you. You don't even you go back to the raw and you can't even really see the difference because the proxies are that good, yeah. you can edit your whole movie on your laptop. So, for instance, my whole movie down converted was only like two gig, uh, two terabyte. 
So it's not hard to throw that on your laptop hard drive or on an SSD or whatever and just edit away anywhere in the world. And it looks fantastic. You can apply grades to anything you want. It's all real time, no rendering, the complete movie. And when you're finishing, if you want to re reinstate or just connect back to the raw files, you just connect in your major, you know, your big hard drive raid when you get back. And um, and you just go, um, uh, because it's proxies, you just go, go to original media and everything's there. Well, the raw files just turn up and you can then edit an 8K right there easily. Do you think that in in the world, I mean, you obviously started this project before 2020. Um, do you yeah. think that it's actually come to, to release at the perfect time for your production style and workflow in that you've proven that, A, um, you're essentially working remotely um, in the post-production process. Obviously, there are the filming and production that, that's required, <clears throat> but does that does that actually lend itself to a COVID world? Uh, yeah, very much so, very much so. It's yeah, no, it's, it's a, look, it's, it's very, put it this way, this movie normally probably would have had a lot more people attached to it from a post-production post perspective. Um, but the way we did it, we just didn't waste money and, and process and complication. And as you know, time is money. Yeah. So, you know, saving we probably saved two or three million dollars in post-production doing it this particular way through this particular system but it seems like no expense was spared at the front end though because it 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 doesn't look like it was shot any any cheaper than a than a great big budget movie i mean i guess you've used what you know from the advertising world who again while they might have big bucks they don't want to waste it no well they well a lot of big productions like to live off you know, producers off, producer offsets and yep. stuff like that. That's how they make their money, right? Taxpayer-funded films, technically. Yep. Uh, for myself, I didn't want to rate the system that per se, so I just thought we we can do it. We will probably save a lot more money doing it our way than if we went out and did it the the tax offset way. Right. So and we, and we did. We we saved uh, considerable amounts. Before. But, uh, not getting too heavy. Before I get you to sell me on Final Cut over Premiere because it's where I live. Um, just finally on the movie, give me mm-hmm. what's the what's the elevator pitch for people that haven't seen the trailer? Um, well, who's it appeal to and what's it about? Okay, it's um, it's a sci-fi action drama. Oh, I was sci-fi action thriller. So that's the, that's the genres. It's a robot movie uh, about robot AI, um, and the elevator pitch for the story is. Um, a corrupt CIA agent and a robotics company get together to try and win a lucrative military contract, but in doing so, they have to do this sort of test to make sure these things work, and it's an illegal test, and they dump these robots into a the back part of the Golden Triangle to see if they can sort of use it on some drug cartels in there just as a bit of an illegal test and, that, and kill people that no, no one would know or miss, and there just happens to be a bunch of young doctors in there doing immunizations who witness the crime and then become the new targets. Wow. I'm hooked. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're you're selling again, part of that, you know, straight to market perspective is that this is this is you making a movie, start to finish, and then mm-hmm. releasing it to the public to to get on their chosen platform, whether it's Apple TV, uh, Google Movies, all those different movie platforms, they'll be able to just get it when they want it, as they want it. Yeah, yeah, you just buy or rent it and away you go. You've yeah. obviously got all the Apple gear. What 
what the Pro Display XDR is an mm. extraordinary bit of kit, both in price and features. I, I know it's worth it, but why? Oh, look, it's... <laughs> it, look, it's the ultimate monitor for people that really want the best picture and the best grading ability. I mean, you, you can spend, you know, thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 on a more expensive monitor, which just happens to be smaller. But And I've, I've got both, but... The thing is, I don't. Ha- I, ha- I hardly turn on the really expensive one because the six <laughs> K, the six K XDRs that we have, we've got two of them, and they they look so ridiculously amazing and crisp and sharp. And you see, I, I think you see far more detail in them than the more expensive one. Even though the, the more expensive one is apparently industry standard, um, I, I prefer to use the XDRs mainly because what I see there, I know the rest of the world's going to see. On their phones, everything yeah. you know, it's just it's just perfect. So um, it's you know, it's it's the ultimate monitor in that case, especially for HDR. Now, I feel like we need to talk again in six months once you've tried, uh, let alone the MacBook Pro with uh, the M1 processor, but whatever comes next in the 16-inch version, because I I suspect that itself will improve your workflow. Just from what I've seen of the of the M1, it's been an unbelievable computer. But mm. you know the reason yeah, I've impressive. started thinking about Final Cut <clears throat> is because it's made for the M1, right? It's made for Apple Silicon. But um, you know I don't make feature films or ads; I make YouTube videos, right? So please bear with me here. But I, I've loved and used Adobe Premiere for years. I, I, get, I get the workflow and I know how it works. Mm-hmm. How how do how do I adjust my head to be ready for Final Cut? Because it does seem like a, a leap for me in terms of the workflow, the way it, the way it operates. Uh, yeah, look, oh, it, it is very simple. It, you just got to turn off your brain on a couple of things, and it is very similar, but it's just four times quicker. So the and the, and the power and speed and no need to render anything is a big deal as well. Yeah, because what it's doing it's using all the cores within the machine. It's using every part of that machine where Premiere doesn't. It only uses a single core or it doesn't, it's not very, it's not designed. It's sort of like, sadly, and I know the Adobe guys, they just can't, they, they need to rebuild Premiere from the ground up to compete with Final Cut Pro. Yeah, right. And they just don't want to do it because it's just going to cost too much. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. Adobe's their own beast, right? But with Final Cut Pro, for instance, uh, look, I, I, it's so much easier when someone just shows you two <laughs> little things. Yeah, yeah. If they show you t- two little movements, yeah. and you go, "Oh my, oh, oh, I get it, I get it." <laughs> because when I, because it took me four attempts to get into Final Cut Pro, right? Because I keep seeing all these kids on it, and they, and they, and they're flying, and I'm like, "Mate, they're doing it so quick. How are they doing this? How are they doing this?" And I jump on it, and I try to teach myself it without looking at us at any tutorials. You know, yeah. I thought, oh. I know so many edit programs. This yeah. can't be any different, but yes. it was. Right. <laughs> right. And I got, oh, no, I don't like it, and I'll get rid of it. Oh, I don't like it, then I'll get rid of it. You know what, Mark, that's the right, that's the absolute spot on there. <laughs> I don't, I, I've never thought to watch a tutorial tutorial because I feel like I know how to edit a video. I feel like yeah, well, I've, yeah, I've learned right. that skill. <laughs> and I went through the same process, right? And I, and then I thought, oh, screw this. And then I stumbled over a Larry Jordan how to do it video, right? Mm. I think it was. And I watched it, and I went, oh, okay, and I did this and that, and then I, he showed me something else. I went, 
Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. See, <laughs> the rest of it's just learning where all the buttons are, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, and all your, and all your shortcuts, which only takes a few days. So right. my son, for instance, I, I got him to learn Premiere first. Right. And he beat around on this thing for six months, you know, and he was super quick at it. Like he picked it up so fast, super fast. And um, and then he'd come into me and he'd go, and he'd see me working on Final Cut Pro and he'd like, what are you doing with that? That's like a kid's edit suite and mm. blah, 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 and he'd carry on. Um, and then I said, now I want you to learn Final Cut Pro. Anyway, he comes in two days later and he says, oh, my God, that. <laughs> He goes, why did you make me learn Premiere? <laughs> oh, my, this is so much faster. Oh, like, and he just went on for weeks about it. And I've, I've done it now with so many people around the world. I show them a few little steps and they never go back to Premiere. Or if they do, they ring me instantly and curse about <laughs> it, why I didn't tell them about Final Cut Pro earlier, well, which I, th- I did. I think that validates my household. <laughs> I um, My wife makes just simple little videos in, in some of her jobs, and she uses iMovie, and it's great. But then now and then, you need a lot more than iMovie for different things. And I, I've said, to, when oh, I yeah. first got Final Cut um, on the Apple M1, I looked and I went, oh, this is iMovie on stilts and I said to my wife this is what I want you to learn because I've shown her for a premiere and she's like nah that's crazy but this is is a, is the perfect step up from iMovie and I feel like what I need to get my head around is that step across from premiere so I, I've now googled Larry Jordan videos that's where I'm going to go I'm going to learn <laughs> that my next challenge to by, by tomorrow I'm going to make my first um, video in Final Cut Pro and publish it um, it's not going to be a feature film I'm sorry um, if that lets you down, it'll be a YouTube video, but hopefully it works pretty well. Um, I can't wait to watch Monsters of Man, Mark. It's a, it's a credit to you that you've been able to – I love the idea that you've gone, you know what, I've been successful. I just want to do something I'm passionate about, and I think you're going to end up finding out that you've created something brilliant, very successful, and I have a feeling your phone's going to ring hot with people wanting to create create well, that's the beautiful thing about the world of digital is you can become a creator for, for others and hopefully um it creates a great new content and great new movies uh through your workflow and your processes because it's an example to many i'm sure monsters of man available on all your big movie platforms mark it's absolutely brilliant to talk to you and i wish you all the success with the movie thank you very much have a great year Trevor along with you, taking your calls on tech and cars and whatever it is going on in your world. And Simon's been to EFTM.com and been in touch. G'day, Simon. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Good. Uh, just looking at a uh, new laptop for the uh, young fellow starting secondary school next year and mm. trying to decide on, you know, the budget was up to about 1000 but then the new MacBook came out and was on sale. Um and the MacBook Air looks like a pretty good deal for um, hopefully long term. Mate, it's a, crack, it's a cracking device. So you're willing to buy? You're willing to what is it? Fifteen nine nine for the for the cheapest MacBook, basically, um, mm. as the MacBook Air with the new M1. Make sure you get the new M1. There's no point buying the old one now. Uh, I'm still pretty filthy. I bought a brand new MacBook Pro for my son uh, three months ago. Uh, anyway, moving on from <laughs> my demise. Um, so here's what I'll say to you. Um, I would not want you to think that it's going to last them to year 12. That, that, no. that would be my biggest fear because, you know, a lot of people are stretching themselves to get the MacBook when, you know, it's probably going to get him through year 10 
Like it'll certainly get seven, eight, nine. No, no doubt, no drama, no question. Year ten, yeah. he'll, he'll, in year ten, I reckon when they start to discover what it is they want to do, if he's getting into bloody photography or videography or whatever, then you might start to go. Hang on a minute, <laughs> we need to push this thing up a bit. Um, the, let me be clear: the laptop will still work great, but it might be we might have found the boundary of it at that point. So, as long as you know that it's not a full high school computer. I get, I, I'm confident that thing will get you through three to four years of high school and it will have a long life after that. It just won't probably endure, you know, daily use at a high school. Um, I, I think it's probably the best laptop to get right now. My only fear is that, um, you know, applications, so software you run, yeah. Like I'm having a, a real punish at the moment with Adobe Premiere, the video editing software I use. Not really great on Apple's processor yet, but all of that will be fixed within six months or a year, absolutely. And in in school, they're pretty much just using Google. They're pretty much just using browser-based yeah. stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, and year seven, I doubt they're going to use much Photoshop, even though they all get a copy to use. So honestly I, I I think it's a great computer and I think it's a really good investment for a for a high school kid if you can if you can stretch to 1600 yeah 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 that's that was sort of the conclusion I was coming to but uh, getting the a bit more feedback on it is what I was looking for. So. You got other kids under him that are coming up. Got under other kids under him, and but they're actually a few years, so that'll be I think four years anyway. So yeah, right. maybe, so, maybe that'll be a hand me down. So. And you know what? I, this is my thing. I I actually, while I think that laptop won't work for him in year ten, um, mm. or eleven, that laptop yeah. may be the perfect year seven laptop for for the next one, who will then get their new laptop in year eight. So. It's weird, but if you plan it out now, like we were talking the other night about how my daughter will never be at school without a brother or brother there, whereas yeah. both my sons, so my oldest is in high school on his own now for a couple of years and has been in a couple of years, that ends for him. And my youngest gets, I think, a, a year or and a bit uh, in, in the end of primary school and at the end of high school on his own. So you, yeah. you, you work out the structure and you go, right, if I get if I get in one in year seven and in one in year eight, you actually work out that every – because you don't want to buy two laptops in one year, let alone well, one every you, year. Tell me about it, but we uh, probably don't have much option on that, although then what, it's you got depending twins? on who- – well, we got twins, yeah. So the next lot, the next they follow twins. So, <laughs> who, who, who gets the hand me down? Who gets a new one? <laughs> wow. Hopefully, by then they understand the 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 ups and downs of the tech yes. world, and one of them will take the hand me down, willing to get the new one the year after, and then the other one will be like, yeah, that's cool, because then in year eleven I'll have the you know maybe they'll play that yeah. themselves off each other, but they are twins, so good luck with that. <laughs> well, they are a boy and a girl, so there is some. They obviously have different interests, so, yeah, you know, okay. ones. You never know. Yeah. It might work, it might not. Yeah, well, put start putting pennies away regardless, mate. Twins are going to cost you big time at some point. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, good luck. I th- uh, genuinely, I feel very confident in recommending that, that computer. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, again, make sure you, like, 12 South have some really nice cases that you can put them in, hard cases that they – hard yeah, case okay. that goes yeah, in your backpack, looking at that. right? Um, yep. You know, it's a, it's a big bit of kit to put inside a backpack, but it offers double layer protection. Then, so the backpacks yep. biggest problem with backpacks is if laptops sit on in the backpack, they're they them a laptop to the ground is just a, a piece of fabric, and you, yep. you you drop your laptop down on a on a bit of concrete. Well, there's no buffering. So no, exactly. at the very least, go to Clark's Rubber and buy a little bit of foam, and you put it at the bottom of their school bag. And that offers yep. another buffer in there. So a few little tips for high school, mate. <laughs> no worries. All right, buddy. Thanks for getting right. in touch. Thanks for that. Cheers, Cheers. buddy. And uh, if you're struggling with a computer purchase, get in touch. Happy to help. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now, you know, I love a new car. Uh, we get to 
drive a lot of cars, we get to test a lot of cars, but how many people are actually buying new cars? Uh, when was the last time you bought a new car and why is that? Now, for some people, it's financial reasons. Um, this year has been a tough year for a lot of people and the new car industry has struggled uh, as much as many, um, if not more, because it's such a large purchase. It's not like you can suddenly go back to getting you know, the, the money together to buy a new car if you were, if you were struggling at any point this year. But I read an interesting little opinion piece theory here from uh, one of the co-founders of Carbar talking about the fact that it may not just be COVID. It may not just be the price of cars. Maybe there's something rubbish about buying a new car. So Des Hang from uh, Carbar, one of the co-founders, is on the line. G'day, mate. Hey, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, real good. So talk me through your thought process here. You, you don't think that new car sales... Uh, diminishing, plummeting, however you want to look at it, is purely because of an economic uh, downturn? Uh, well, I believe that um, uh, a lot of the consumers out there are calling out for a new way to access mobility. Uh, I mean, over the last couple of years, if you look at the mobility industry, uh, you know, with the rise of rideshare um, and car sharing uh, platforms, um, so consumers are calling out for a new form of um, ease and access to, uh, and also that convenience piece around um, traveling down from A to B. So, well, I mean, obviously we can get an Uber places, um, but that doesn't really replace owning a car, does it? Is that, I mean, is that really the kind of driver behind people going, yeah, I don't know that I need a new car or there's plenty of good opportunities with Uber and Diddy and all these different things going around? Um do you, do you think the price tag, the, the monthly cost is is literally scaring people away or are they genuinely thinking, maybe I don't need to own a car? Uh, I think at the end of the day, the consumer is looking at it from a budget perspective. Yep. Um, a lot of our consumers, um, they're very budget conscious as well. Um, so our prime customer segment is young families. So looking at it from a young family perspective, you're allocating a set budget against um, your travel needs. Um, so um, when we uh, when we put out a car on vehicle subscription itself, then uh, a person is actually allocating a cost. So let's say if they're willing to budget, say, $200 per week on a particular vehicle, uh, there is no risk against um, that cost blowing up. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're traveling and you're u- utilizing uh, different means of transport, you want to be uh, confident that uh, this budget is sufficient and won't blow out. So if I'm a consumer and I've got a rubbish old car, 10, 15 years old, and I know that I, I need either to be driving something safer or something more reliable, um, and I'm sitting there going, okay, so I can buy a $20,000 Kia or I can buy a $40,000 Mazda or something. And when I work out the costs, it turns out it's going to cost me, you know, six, $700 a month just to, just to own a car. Um, you're saying that the, the consumer is starting to see a, a realisation that actually ownership is, is not the only form of car usage. Yes, correct. Um, so there's uh, different means in the market at the moment. Uh, what we're pitching our product as um, is vehicle subscription. So think of it like a no-locked-in lease that uh, packages up everything, including your registration, maintenance, insurance, uh, roadside assist, and generally peace of mind. And when I say peace of mind, that includes that maintenance risk side of things. So if your car uh, drops a gearbox, uh, engine blows up or anything like that, 
uh, our service uh, warranties that portion of it. Um, if there's a, and also the other portion is around the residual risk of that vehicle. So if the prices on that vehicle is uncertain, uh, there's a bottoming out of the pricing of that car. Um, you don't have to worry around that. Um, so these are the confidence builders for a lot of our consumers. And I guess the mindset is very much the same as renting. You know, lots of people don't want to get a mortgage and buy a house, uh, so they choose to rent and they live comfortably in their home. Um, they pay a fixed amount and, you know, obviously every couple of years it might go up a bit. Um, that's a negotiation with your landlord or you move. Is that a similar, is that a way to, to use the analogy to what CarBud does with subscription vehicle usage? Um. I think uh, in some parallels, especially on that front, it is. Um, but when you think about it from a real estate perspective, in the longer term, uh, that asset is actually appreciating. So uh, whereas on your vehicle needs, it's actually depreciating. Yeah, okay. So that's what everyone says, right? Like you don't, you try not to own uh, assets that are depreciating. <laughs> so what is the structure of car bar then? If I go to the website now, it shows me hundreds of cars available and there's everything from a you know, uh, Hyundai i20 to a 20, 2019 Toyota Supra. Um, let's keep it simple. A Hyundai mm. i20 from 2015, mm. that's a five-year-old car, um, but yeah. it's $138 a week. How does it work? Am I am I just not locked in? If I need, only, only want to use it for a week, is there a minimum period? How does the, the approach from car bar help mm. me with that decision to not buy a new car? Yeah, um, so it's, it's as easy as jumping on our site. So we've made it very uh, e-commerce transactional-like. Um, so think of it, you know, like how you would buy a shoe um, and the shoe will turn up at your front door. Uh-huh. Uh, the same thing applies with our subscription product. Um, so jump on the site, select the car that you like, um, subscribe to it, um, go through the checkout funnel. Um, there's a few details that we ask for, uh, like your bank statements, um, your Medicare card and your driver's license so that we can do a quick affordability check. Uh-huh. Um, so then you'll go through, uh, pay the upfront fee against the vehicle, uh, and then that will uh, secure you that vehicle. Uh, once you're eligible for that vehicle, uh, we would actually, uh, get in touch with you and notify you of the delivery of that particular vehicle. Um, so there is no locked-in period, but all we ask for is a two weeks notice period uh, by which you can hand back that vehicle. Right. So that when I look at that mm. my Hyundai, Hyundai i20, um, mm. it shows me a different pricing structure based on length of time. So if I am essentially committing to the car, yeah. for, or, or is it just that if I stay in the car for 12 months, it's, it, it comes mm. down in price a little bit over that time? Yes, correct. Yeah. So we realize that, um, you know, uh, what you've just described there is our loyalty product. Um, so what we're trying to do is incentivize our subscribers to be able to stay in the, in the vehicles um, over yeah. time okay. um, and give them the value back as they're, uh, as they're increasing their lifetime. and their Because, hey, cars well. depreciate in value, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so what, what you say a lot's covered, uh, maintenance and those kind of things. Look, there's a 2020 Audi Q2 here. Um, it's a beautiful car. Mm. I'm a big fan, $364 a week. Um, I mean, wear and tear-wise, where, where does – do you evaluate the car when I return it? Is there, you know, a certain level of upkeep that one has to have on the car? How does that work? 
Yeah, so we go by the standard um, fair wear and tear policies um, that's uh, stated with you know the the likes of leasing and the rental industry. Um, so before the car is actually handed across to you, um, our logistic guys will go through with you um, sort of uh, checks um, to ensure that uh, everything is recorded down. Uh, once you hand back the vehicle, um, the vehicle is then checked against um, that uh, condition report that was um, stated before. Um, so it's very clear in terms of uh, fair wear and tear. Um, so if there's any dings or stuff like that, then obviously that will be the responsibility of the subscriber. Right. Now, I mean, I look at the cars and obviously there's a 2015 Hyundai there, but there's also these 2020 cars. What, Where do the cars come from? Uh, are they sitting in a warehouse that Car Bar runs or are some of them just sitting in dealers and potentially going to be sold or uh, essentially bought by you? Are you just kind of accessing stock that's also on the open market and you're just a buyer? Uh, yeah, so it's a combination of both. Um, so uh, some of the vehicles on our uh, on our website um, are owned by us. Um, so uh, and the other part of it is also we work closely with uh, both OEMs as well as dealer partners. Um, so our dealer partners will um, will have their vehicles on our site uh, available for choice um, for the subscribers itself. Mm. Um, with our dealer partners as well as OEMs, um, some portion of that is that we purchase the vehicles when they get uh, and then we unsubscribe those. Uh, other other partners uh, that own the assets, um, we will do a profit share model with them. Oh, okay. And mm. so one of the, I mean one of the things I'm thinking about here is <clears throat> with a I guess a lease. Often there's tax deductions for 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 businesses. Have you looked mm. into any of that? Is there any incentive for someone to use a car bar style subscription service as opposed to getting their own finance or shelling out their own cash? Uh, yes, that's right. Um, so we've uh, we've recently uh, obtained a ATO ruling uh, against the ability for you to salary sacrifice your vehicle. Um, so uh, that product will be shortly uh, available uh, through us. Um, so that allows you to uh, really minimize um, uh, and also offset against the tax that you're um, you're paying. Right. Um, so you'll be able to legal needs. basically get mm. the car pre-tax. Exactly. That's right. Wow. Correct. Mm. Wow. That's yeah. that's. I mean, that's a big deal for you as a business, is it not? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. It's like a novated so, lease, but uh, but with a two week um, out period. Exactly. Yeah. So what we realize in the market is that you know there's a lot of people that um, say if you're in the probationary period in your job, uh, you won't be eligible for a novated lease, uh-huh. uh, given that you need to security of that job. Um, so this product works very well within wow. that probationary period. And how do you manage that as a business? You're a startup. Um, you know, there's obviously mm. risk there with mm. <laughs> someone signing up and you essentially taking on the ownership of a car, um, and the risk that they're going to, you know, get rid of it after two months. I guess that's a risk management thing for you, isn't it? Just to say that most people, and you have the numbers, most people are sticking with cars for a longer period of time if they're not just staying within the group. Because, I mean, if if I go from my Hyundai into a Jeep, then that's good for you. Mm. You've you've got to work out another use for the Hyundai, but I'm still in part of the family. So is it just a risk management strategy for you? Correct, yeah. So for us, it's uh, looking at it on both sides. uh, One, from a utilisation risk, is what you said. Um, So I have to repurpose your Hyundai. Uh, when you go into that Jeep, into somebody else, um, or I look to dispose of that 
Uh, and then the other portion is around the, the residual risk. Uh, how much am I going to dispose of that Hyundai for? Um, so we have uh, both a retail side of our business as well as a wholesale uh, division that helps with the vehicle remarketing needs um, to be able to offer the subscription at the prices that we do. And so remind me how long Carbar's been operating? Uh, we've been, uh, I founded the company in 2016, um, yeah. so a little over four years. Has the last year been the, the biggest uh, push for you? I feel like the, the services evolved in in a big way in the last 12 months. Yes, very much so. Um, so we uh, we received an investment round from IAG, uh, the largest insurance company, um, uh, for our Series B uh, back at the end of uh, financial year 2019. Mm-hmm. What that has enabled us to do is really scale out our offering and also mature what we do uh, and uh, and offer it to uh, uh, both in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane mm-hmm. uh, across these geolocations. Yeah, so um, yeah, really thankful and really. Um, you know, uh, have really grown exponentially over the last couple of months as well. So then I guess finally, you know, your whole, the, the thing that got us talking was your, essentially a, your opinion about the, the new car business model and how it needs to evolve. Um, are you mm. seeing that in your user numbers, just outside of the normal growth that you're getting by expanding into new areas? So let's say in Sydney or, or Melbourne, wherever you want to choose, are you seeing the growth in the service? just directly because of what you believe is that change in the buying experience? Yes, I think... Because um, let's be honest, it is a rubbish experience. That's the bottom line here, right? Your whole point here is I can click, click, click and have a car come to my house, whereas when I first went to a dealer earlier in the year, mm. bloke wouldn't mm. give me a price. <laughs> yep. uh, and I think it's more apparent, uh, especially during our COVID lockdown, right? Uh, mm. So uh, I'm based in Melbourne, you know, uh, we had a very, very long uh, lockdown period. Of course. Uh, and for you to be able to, you know, if you wanted to purchase a vehicle because you, know, you, you need to go to shops, you, you won't be able to do that. Uh, but our service enables people to do that. Uh, and that really came to reality and really came to fruition uh, for a lot of people, especially during that COVID lockdown. Are you getting ahead of the whole industry here in Australia? Because I feel like in America, some of the companies, I don't know whether it's Chevy or someone, but they kind mm. of have a subscription-ish service. It's certainly not as flexible as yours. I feel like it's more, mm. you know, you're locked in. But Americans seem happy to commit to $500 a month to a dealer and basically over the course of a year, they can pick and choose a couple of different cars. Not every week, but, you know, you can kind of get in and out of cars. Ford have done a little bit of that where, you know, you own a car, but hey, have a Mustang for a couple of weekends, that kind of stuff. Do you feel like you're just enough ahead of the Australian industry that you can keep your head um, above water and growing while, I guess, the industry catches up? Uh, Yeah, so for myself, um, you know, uh, I think... Being, uh, for us uh, that we're based in Australia itself, uh, we have the benefit of uh, somewhat of hindsight mm. uh, that we're able to look at the, uh, the American market as to what has worked and resonated with the consumers over there. Um, when you th- when you look at the auto industry, um, uh, especially in the US, um, and Australia follows suit uh, quite closely uh, in terms of the nature by which uh, consumers are consuming vehicles and also um, looking at how their purchase cycle is. So um, I firmly firmly believe that now we're heading down that path as well. Um, All right. Well, that's a a good result. I mean, that you've got some investment, that you've got eyes on your company and that you've had 
a strong, not just business growth, consumer growth, but a strong, I guess, strategic growth in the way you approach the business and the way it's able to offer its services over the last 12 months or so is is big for the business, mate. So hopefully that continues for you long into the future and um, and Car Bar becomes just another website we use for online shopping, except it's just for cars. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Trevor. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your chat. Thank you. Thanks. Trevor, along with you, and if you've got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Andrew. G'day. Merry Christmas, mate. Yeah, same to you. Isn't it weird to be saying that after the year we've had? <laughs> <laughs> yep. What's happening in your world, mate? You uh, you emailed me looking at um, uh, business calls and second phone numbers. How, how's that gone for you? Yeah, good. So I've actually, um, basically what I need was a second number for work, and I wasn't keen on carrying it. A second phone with me, no, as I no. see a lot of people do. Isn't that weird? Um, like I don't, I can't in my head fathom carrying around two phones, one for work, one for business. And people say, "Oh, but I want to switch off on the weekends." It's like, well, that it's possible. So, what what have you done? Yeah. So, well, I looked at some people told me to get a voice over internet thing, but that all just became very complicated very quickly. Yeah. So, what I did was went for the eSIM option. Yes. Um, so I'm actually a Telstra customer on an iPhone XS um, and I just decided to get an Optus eSIM um, as my business number. Yep. So I just got a $30 a month deal um, and basically just downloaded the eSIM onto my phone. And then it's all actually, I didn't realise, it's all integrated into the iOS software. So yeah. it's really, really easy. I just labelled the second eSIM number as a business number. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly labelled, you know, if this call's coming through the business number or the um, or my personal one. So it's great. It's awesome, isn't it? I, I put a because I've been testing the new iPhone 12s on 5G and not. I've got a bunch of different SIMs and eSIMs going around the different devices. And on the my main device, I've got my personal main eSIM, and then I can put other ones in. And I find it interesting that you can a people don't know you can label them, and I, I've actually labelled them by the, the name of the telco for obvious reasons because I'm testing telcos, but you can say personal and work. Um, yeah. You can set for different contacts. You can set the default SIM to use. So if I'm if I'm ringing, you know, a business contact, well, let's use the business SIM all the time for that one. And so there's a lot you can do with it if you break it down. As you say, it's quite tightly integrated into iOS, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the other thing you can even do is if you're on two different platforms like Telstra and Optus. Mm. You can tell the iPhone to use the Optus reception if there's not good Telstra reception for data, ah. um, which in Sydney is probably not a big problem. But if you're in somewhere that's got slightly, you know, um, dodgy reception in some places, that you can use that feature for, for improved data reception as well. What What about on – I mean, you're a, you're a personal small business, so you're probably not wanting to switch off the business account at all. But have you looked at what you can do in terms of saying, you know what, it's it's the weekend. I don't want your business. Calls. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I haven't actually looked at that yet because it's only been active a few days. But um, I believe it is possible. A friend of mine has done that, so I'm, I'm going to look at. You know, so, you can turn off. I tell you how it works. I mean, I, I reckon though there's a better solution to what I'm about to tell you. But essentially, if you go into settings and under mobile, where the two lines are listed, so I've got one which is called Aldi Aldi EFTM. So it's an Aldi SIM, and I've just called that my EFTM number, right? And there's just an on and off. I can just turn it off. And so I just turn off that yeah, line right. and nothing will work. Uh, no calls will come through, nothing. But when I turn it back on, any SMSs will come through because SMSs stay queued 
Do you know what I mean? They stay out there until they're delivered. So right, yeah. I think there's a gen, generally very easy way to go, you know what, I want to be in work mode, I want to be in personal mode here and, and make it work that way. But the number one recommendation I have for people on dual SIM is do that whole thing where you list your contacts by SIM. So you say the boss only gets calls from my from my work number, but all my mates, they're from my personal. So you, you know what, when you pull up stumps and you're not working for that person anymore or whatever happens, you just hand back the number. Bye. I've always yep. found it strange that people join a business and then they hand over their phone number to the business to run their, their account. I, I run the risk of never getting my number back. Oh, I've had the same number for decades. Have, have you? Yeah, yeah. Well, not yeah, not, not quite. <laughs> a bit younger than you, but yeah, oh, I've had it for 20, 20 years. <laughs> well, it's probably only been 20, okay? All right. It's, de- yeah. it's still decades. All yeah. right. Well, I'm glad you got some satisfaction, mate. Good luck with that. It's a, it's a great, simple, easy-to-use solution. I think a lot of people don't still realise how easy it is, mate. And the eSIM was yeah. easy to set up. Was it? Did you do all that on an app in the store or, or in the no, store? No, no. I literally – I just signed up online and yeah. I just followed the prompts on the – I got a text message saying it's ready and all I had to do was connect on a Wi-Fi and just download it and it was done in literally a few minutes. Bingo. Awesome. Yeah. All right, mate. Good luck and uh, enjoy that and hope the business goes well for you, mate. Okay. Thanks, Trevor. Cheers, mate. And uh, see, it's a simple thing and I think a lot of people don't realise what dual SIM is, let alone the fact that it exists. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes open for that. If you see people carrying two phones, tell them to just carry one. uh, And if you're carrying two phones, please... Try and justify it for me. Go on. I dare you. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you've got a question, go to the website eftm.com. G'day, Joseph. Yeah, g'day, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Mate, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a couple of years old Chromecast yep. um, that I have problems only with my KO when I stream in live sports. Uh, they've got no problem with Netflix or the Prime okay. Video. Yep. And I was wondering whether the the new Google Chromecast or the Google Google TV, whether that would make it stream faster. It's a it's a bummer, really, because oh, like it is strange that it's. Only the Chromecast that I hear complaints about. And um, there's a couple of things. There are there have been different Chromecasts. What does it look like? What, what does it physically look like, your Chromecast? It's just a little, a little it's a dark colour, just a little is, round. Does it look it like a key in. or is it a little round thing with a tiny, like a five centimetre cable on it? Yeah, probably with a five centimetre cable, yep. yeah. Okay. Um, I, the, you probably don't know the answer, but do you know if it's a 4K Chromecast or a, a standard? I don't think it's a 4K. I think it's just a standard one. Uh, so my, I, my gut feeling is the Ultra is better than than the standard, but the good news is there's a new Chromecast, which will be a bazillion times better anyway. Because, well, that's the one I'm asking about. That's the $99 yeah, one. mate. Oh, you know what? I just bought three. Um, I'm yeah. going to replace every Chromecast in our house because I just think it's so cool to be able to use a remote control or your voice to open apps, mm. launch apps. You don't have to have your phone. I know the phone is easy and it's great, but it's just simplicity for me, um, and I think it's an awesome product. Um, no spoilers, but it's 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 going to be one of my award winners this year. Um, if for ninety nine bucks, you are getting the smartest smart TV on any TV. Now you've got a smart TV already, but it doesn't have KO, and it's probably not going to get KO. So yeah, I, yeah, would, I don't know why that won't take KO, but uh, mate, it's not about them taking. It. To be very clear, it's not about you've got an LG. Is that right? Yeah. It's not about LG taking it. It's not about Hisense not wanting it, you know, different companies. It's about KO 
spending the time and money on it. So KO look at the market and they go, well, Samsung's the biggest, we better build that. So they did. But it's a different system on LG. It's a different system Mm. on Hisense. It's a different system. So they've got to build a whole new app, plus make sure it is flawless before it can be released on any brand. So I've no doubt KO will come to Hisense and LG. I just don't know when. But the good news is you don't need them because, mate, you could – you could buy the Chromecast Ultra and never, ever switch to any other input source on your TV because it's got everything. Um, yeah, so, except, yeah, except K. I don't think the the new Chromecast or the Google TV one has an, it doesn't have the K. Oh, app. You know what? It hasn't been updated yet. Um, the Android TV version, you're right, um, hasn't been fully updated, but it will. Like it, it absolutely – that's more of a simple software update than, mm. than LG Hisense kind of block. Yep. But it is it is also a 4K Chromecast, so I believe and am confident that it will perform better than the one you have today anyway. Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks very much for that. Thank All right, you. mate. Good luck and Merry okay. Christmas. No worries. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. And uh, if you've got a question, yeah, I've had, to be honest, had forgotten that that bloody app isn't updated there, but I, I'm pretty confident Joseph will be okay with the KO on the brand new Chromecast with Google TV. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, let me know what happens, mate, and let me know if you're in that situation or if that's fixed the situation for you because I, I need to understand what happens out there and, and know those problems as they exist. Uh, go to the website, eftm.com, and just click Ask Trev. Thank you for listening. That um, interview with Mark Toyer, fascinating. I generally was fascinated by the fact that He's also so blasé about the fact that he just made a Hollywood movie. But I'm going to put the the trailer for that movie up on the website, eftm.com, along with this podcast. So just go to the podcast page and you'll find the trailer within this particular podcast. Um, otherwise, um, you can find it on YouTube. Just search Monsters of Man and you'll find the trailer there on all those, you know, solid um, um, trailer sites. You know how all the... All the trailer sites, they, they publish all the trailers they get. There's millions of versions of it. But, yeah, the final trailer was published 12 uh, hours ago as I record. And uh, the movie itself will be available tomorrow around Wednesday, Australian time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Lovely to have your company as always. And we'll be back again soon with the EFTM podcast. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM.